0: and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com.
1: No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
2: 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. I'll put you up along my smile. Bring you back down under a while. Fill you with life with a wisp of death. Till we're both running clear out of breath. Till we expire on sins and sighs, on dreams and fears upon our thighs, we'll bury deep here counting sheep to rise and shine in our daily grind.
0: My life
2: to Playtime with Sandra Radio. I'm your hostess, Sandra London of livinggrind.com and Playtime with Sandra Radio, broadcasting for you uh, live from the sunny beaches of Southern California in connection with Blog Talk Radio, TuneIn Radio, iTunes, Digital Podcast, and Naked Girls Radio. Naked Girls Radio has been renamed, I believe it's New Groove and Rhythms. Um, But I'm not sure if that's the exact name, if I'm saying it exactly correctly or not. I will check on that and get back to you before the end of the show on that. But, yes, um, what was I going to say? Oh, yeah, so as I put in the, like, I don't know, teaser and the summary for this evening slash morning show, uh, I did a recording of Chapter 7 of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, um, chapter seven, and then Chapter eight is really long, and it's one of the most pivotal of the novella. So, like I did, I split it in half. So I did one half of Chapter eight. There's ten chapters total. So um, I figured I might as well crank it out. Um, you know, have it available for you all because one through six are available um, via my website, livinggrind.com, and um uh, please I'm with Sandra. Radio. I'm going to post this uh episode um with an embed uh for this show on to uh, li- uh um and then I'll do also links to 1 through 4 and 5 and 6. So, yes. I my apologies for missing um a, a couple weekends of my show. Um I was looking into my health and myself and how everything's going and I had a biopsy for bone marrow and I uh, I believe I need papers in my hand to fully 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 believe it but yeah I, I believe I do not have uh, multiple myeloma nor leukemia nor diabetes I know diabetes for sure I do not have so yay woohoo but yes um, be that as it may <laughs> Um. Yeah, I had, like, crazy insomnia for, like, the past weekend and just trying to lay any which way and just tell myself to stop thinking or, okay, just think whatever you want. None of that worked. So there were, yeah, three days in a row where I just kind of sat in bed for hours, you know, no distraction, no Internet, no TV, nothing, and then, okay, maybe put on the radio. Okay, no, I keep hearing the same songs every 20 minutes. Okay, put on uh, YouTube. I'll put on, like, a, what do you call it? Um, some sort of investigation discovery, 48 hours, mystery, dateline, something. Um, that used to work, except um, until the last three days. So, yeah. But I look forward this evening to having a nice uh, siesta. Um, I think I'm functioning on about four to six hours sleep, maybe eight total in three days. So bear with me, y'all. And I was trying to upload, um, what do you call it? I was trying to upload um, uh, Chapter 7 and 8, and I record them on my phone. So, like, I don't know, it sounds cool to me when I do it, and normally it works really well. Um, but for some reason today, like, I don't know, I was trying to upload and convert it from M4A to MP3, and, um like I purchased like the converter. So normally, you know, you have like the free thing you can use like two to ten times and they're like, okay, now to keep doing it, pay but I actually purchased the one from iTunes. It was like nine ninety nine and iTunes kept telling me it's corrupted, you gotta delete it and re download it. And I'm like, What? That pissed me off. I don't know. <laughs> so yes, I was unable to directly upload it to um Studio, but I still have it on my phone. I'm going to try really hard. Hopefully, the sound quality is still um, passable and decent. We shall see at the conclusion of uh, this episode right here. <laughs> uh, we will see. But I will play se- Chapter 7 um, in just a few minutes. But I'll go ahead and play right now, uh, as long as things seem to be working in their proper order. Uh, one of the songs that I put on my latest blog post on liveandgrind.com where I put just some of my favorite songs for the leap year. And this one I especially like. It's called You Got Me, and it's by The Roots featuring Erica Badu. I'm going to go ahead and play it. Let's hope everything is fine because I have like five million windows open, so who knows. But let's see. Here we go.
0: Told me that this planet was small. We used to live in the
1: same building on the same floor. And never met before until I'm overseas on tour. And P this Ethiopian Queen from Philly taking classes of She's She studying film and photo flash focus record. Says she working on a flick and come on, click through the score. She said she loved my shelter. And that I stepped off the stage and took a piece of our heart. We knew from the start that things she likes That shit don't matter when I get home Get out of school, let her phone Whatever, let's play, let's get together She think not, think the throw her home I forgot, time passed We back in Philly, she up in my spot. Telling me the things I'm telling her, Is making a hot Started building with her constantly round the clock Now she in my world, my kid and keep telling
0: she's
1: And that's when she flippin' get on
0: some. Old. Another lonely night, it seemed like I'm on the side. You won't be loving your mind. I know if you gotta to get to yeah. the but Daddy, keep that side. But Joe, I need some sort of love in my life. You pick me mm-hmm. while I with my sister from New York City. She says she knows what's wrong, player, And he think I'm pretty inside I'm playing, boo. So it's just what you were saying, boo. And when jazz be bombing games, I don't hear what they saying, boo. When you out there in the world, I'm still your girl. With all my classes, I don't have the time for life thrill wet and
2: And we're back. You're listening to Playtime with Sandra Radio. And I'm your hostess, Sandra London, of livinggrind.com. The call-in number is 858-815-2333. Oh, once again, 858-815-2333. And let's see. The first chapter is not terribly long. It's about just under five minutes. I'm going to go ahead and play that. Um and then I'll probably have a break song or two, but let's see. Ah, ah, okay. Um, uh, Here you go. Voila. This is Chapter 7, I want to say. I believe, yes. We shall see. I recorded it earlier. Here you go. <laughs> Strange case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Chapter Seven: Incident at the Window, written by Robert Louis Stevenson. Audio performed by Sandra London at LivingGrind.com and PlayTimeWithSandraRadio.com. It chanced on Sunday, when Mister Ederson was on his usual walk with Mister Enfield, that their way lay once again through the by street and that when they came in front of the door, both stopped to gaze on it. Well, said Enfield, that story's at an end at least. We shall never see more of Mr. Hyde. I hope not, said Ederson. Did I ever tell you that I once saw him and shared your feeling of repulsion? It was impossible to do the one without the other, returned Enfield. And by the way, what an ass you must have Taught me not to know that this was a back way to Dr. Jekyll's... is partly your own fault that I found it out, even when I did. So you found it out, did you? said Ederson. But if that be so, we may step into the court and take a look at the windows. To tell you the truth, I am uneasy about poor Jekyll. And even outside, I feel as if the presence of a friend... Might do him good. The court was very cool and a little damp and full of premature twilight, although the sky, high up overhead, was still bright with sunset. The middle one of the three windows was halfway open, and sitting close beside it, taking the air with an infinite sadness of mien, like some disconsolate prisoner, Utterson saw Dr. Jekyll. What? Jekyll, he cried, I trust you are better, I am very low, I'll just, replied the doctor drearily,
0: very low,
2: it will not last long, think, good. You. you stay too much indoors, said the lawyer, you should be out whipping up the circulation like Mr. Enfield and me, this is my cousin, Mr. Enfield, Dr. Jekyll, come now. Go ahead and take a quick turn with us. You are very good, sighed the other. I should like to very much, but no, 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 it is quite impossible. I dare not. But indeed, just I am very glad to see you. This is really a great pleasure. I would ask you and Mr. Enfield up, but the place is really not fit. Truthfully, the best thing we can do is to stay down here and speak with you from where we are. That is just what I was about to venture to propose. Returned the doctor with a smile. But the words were hardly uttered before the smile was struck out of his face and succeeded by an expression of such abject terror and despair as froze the very blood of the two gentlemen below. They saw it before a glimpse for the window was instantly thrust down. That glimpse had been sufficient, and they turned and left the court without a word. And silence, too. They traversed the by street. And it was not until they had come into a neighboring thoroughfare, where even upon a Sunday there were still some stirrings of life, that Mr. Utterson at last turned and looked at his companion. They were both pale, and there was an answering horror in their eyes. God forgive us. God forgive us, said Mr. Ederson. But Mr. Enfield only nodded his head very seriously and walked on.
1: This is the tale of a girl who lived in a faraway land. She dreamed of being a star, who's built the cars, not in her hand. She never let it get her down seat. She had a plan. She would build a rocket and get up off of that rock car home full of crabs and clams, man. All she ever wanted was to shed a little bit of light and shine, but not in a bling way with diamonds, no. Nah. It was more sublime kids hope in the darkness Looking for a glimmer or a shimmer To guide them through the night When they felt they chances Just couldn't get no slimmer Her dreams been battered and bruised So they resembled the color purple All her life she had to fight Cause one day she knew a couple Circle as a group of clowns Or the old over Fat chance it'll never work They told her just wait One day I'll show ya
0: She never wanted to stand still She told them she was coming So they ran in ran anthill Never considered herself a thief but the fact that we won't miss just one little piece eh? With the power of determination She designed a sweet escape to a cosmic creation Soaring through the atmosphere for throttle on the lever With goodbye to all the pain and yours not sorry, so you never
2: To Playtime with Sandra Radio, and I'm your hostess, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com and Playtime with Sandra Radio. Hi, so you just heard Elephant Supernova by Menage Aquad and Tiger of a Tail by Mr. and Mrs. Smith. Uh, now I will do, I will play Chapter 8. And this is just the first half, it is very long. I think I read about nine pages of. Um, quite a bit longer than that first one, <laughs> All right there. So settle on in, um, get comfy, rest your head, and relax. So <laughs> here you are. Here's Chapter Eight: Strange Case of Doctor Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, written by Robert Louis Stevenson. Audio performed by yours truly, Sandra London of LivingGrind.com and Playtime with Sandra Radio. Night. Audio recorded by yours truly, Sandra London of Com. Mr. Ederson was sitting by his fireside one evening after dinner, when he was surprised to receive a visit from Poole. Bless me, Poole. What brings you here? He cried, and then taking a second look at him, What ails you? He added. The doctor is. Mr. Utterson, said the man. There's something wrong. Take a seat and here's a glass of wine for you, said the lawyer. Now take your time and tell me plainly what you want. You know the doctor's ways, sir, replied Paul, and how he shuts himself up when he's shut up again in the cabinet. And I don't like it, so I I wish I may die if I like it. Mr. Hutchinson said, uh, I'm afraid. No, my good man, said the lawyer. Be explicit. What are you afraid of? I've been afraid for about a week, returned Poole, doggedly disregarding the question, and I can bet no more. The man's appearance amply bore out his words. His manner was altered for the worse, and except for the moment when he had first announced his terror, he had not once looked the lawyer in the face. Even now, he sat with a glass of wine untasted on his knee, and his eyes directed to a corner of the floor. I can bear it no more, he repeated. Um, said the lawyer, I see some good reason for it." I I see there's something seriously amiss. Try to tell me what it is. I think there's been foul play, said Paul, hoarsely. Foul play, cried the lawyer, a good deal frightened and rather inclined to be irritated in consequence. What foul play? What does the man mean? I don't say, sir, was the answer, but will you come along? With me and seat for says Mr. Utterson's only answer was to rise and get his hat and great coat. He observed with wonder the greatness of the relief that appeared upon the butler's face, and perhaps with no less that the wine was still untasted when he set it down to follow. It was a wild, cold, seasonable night of March with a pale moon lying on her back as though the wind had tilted her, a flying rack of the most diaphanous and lawny texture. The wind made talking difficult and flecked the blood into the face. It seemed to have swept the streets unusually bare of passengers. Besides, for Mr. um
0: thought he had never seen that part of London so deserted,
2: He could have wished it otherwise. Never in his life had he been conscious of so sharp a wish to see and touch his fellow creatures. For struggle as he might, there was borne in upon his mind a crushing anticipation of calamity. The square, when they got there, was full of wind and dust, and the thin trees in the garden were lashing themselves along the railing. Poole, who had kept all the way, a or two ahead, now pulled up in the middle of the, of the pavement and, in spite of the biting weather, took off his hat and mopped his brow with a red pocket and handkerchief. But for all the hurry of his coming, these were not the dews of exertion that he wiped away, but the moisture of some strangling anguish, for his face was white and his voice, when he spoke, harsh and broken. Well, sir, he said. Here we are, and God grant there be nothing wrong. Amen, pool, said the lawyer. Thereupon the servant knocked in a very guarded manner. The door was opened on the chain, and a voice asked from within. Is that you, pool? It's all right, said pool. Open the door. The hall, when they entered it, was brightly lighted up. The fire was built high, and about the hearth, the whole of the servants, men and women, stood huddled together like a flock of sheep. At the sight of Mr. Ederson, the housemaid broke into hysterical whimpering, and the cook, crying out, Bless God, it's Mr. Utterson, ran forward, as if to take him in her arms. What? What? Are you all here? said the lawyer peevishly, very irregular, very unseemly. Your master would be far from pleased. They're all afraid. did so once more, violently signed to the lawyer to give ear. A voice answered from within, Tell him I cannot see anyone, said complainingly. Thank you, sir, said Poole, with a note of something like triumph in his voice. And taking up his candle, he led Mr. Utterson back across the yard and into the great kitchen where the fire was out and the beetles were leaping. Floor. The, he said, looking Mr. Utterson in the eyes, was that my master's the boy? Much changed, replied the lawyer, very pale, but giving look the look. Changed? Well, yes, I, I think so, said the butler. Have I been twenty years in his mom's house to be deceived about his boy? the last be exaggerated. And then the man paused and passed his hand over his face. These are all very strange circumstances, said Mr. Addison, but I think I begin to see daylight. Your master pool is plainly seized with one of those maladies that both torture and deform the sufferer. Hence, for aught I know, alteration of his voice, hence the mask and the avoidance of his friends, hints his eagerness to find the straw, by means of which the poor soul retains some hope of ultimate recovery. God grants that he be not deceived. There is my explanation. It is sad enough, poor, I, and appalling to consider, but it is plain and natural, hangs well together. And delivers us from all exorbitant alarms. Sir, said the butler, turning to a sort of modeled pallor, that thing was not my master. And there's the truth my master is <laughs> a tall, fine build of a man, and this man was more of a dwarf. not know where his head comes to, in the cabinet door, where I saw him every morning of my life. all of you Again, a little closer. Put your heart in your ears, Mr. Addison, and tell me if that. The blow shook the building, and the red baize door leaped against the lock and hinges. A dismal screech as of mere animal terror rang from the cabinet. Up went the axe again, and again the panels crashed and the frame bounded. Four times the blow fell. But the wood was tough, and the fittings were of excellent workmanship, and it was not until the fifth that the lock burst the wreck of the door fell inwards on the carpet. The besiegers, appalled by their own riot and stillness that had succeeded, stood back a little and peered in. There lay the cabinet before their eyes, and the quiet lamplight, the good fire glowing and chattering on the hearth, the kettle singing its thin strain, a drawer were to open neatly set forth on the business table, and nearer the fire, the things laid out for tea. The quietest room, he would have said, and but for the glazed presses full of chemicals, the most commonplace that night in London. Right in the middle, there lay the body of a man, sorely contorted and still twitching. They drew near on tiptoe, turned it on its back, and beheld the face of Edward Hyde. He was dressed in clothes far too large for him, the clothes of the doctor's bigness. The cords of his face still moved with a semblance of life, but life was quite gone. And by the crushed pile in the hand and the strong smell of kernels that hung upon the air, Utterson knew that he was looking on the body of a self-destroyer. portion of the building was occupied by the theater, which filled almost the whole ground